Welcome to another Rick and Bubba University podcast. Bubba, we're excited today. Uh, you know, we, we have a little bit of a history with our guest today. Uh, it's time for us to have a conversation with Rhett Walker. Rhett Walker. Rhett, how are you, sir? I'm great. And y'all? Well, we're, we're doing really good. I, I'm looking, you know, there's nothing quite like, kind of kind of like us, you know, we go back to March when the pandemic hit. Is there any anything quite like you coming out with this long-awaited album and you decided to release it in March? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it was one of those things for real that was like, man, the setup is perfect. You know, I've been working on these songs for a while. Everything's primed and ready. And then it's like, hey, we're shutting everything down. And, I mean, look, March 15th, we did one show. And they were like... <laughs> Tours over, canceled, removing it, all that stuff. So I was like, you know what? These songs are meant for good times and great times, but they're songs about hope. So what better now than to release something and maybe somebody find some peace in it somewhere? But, Red, I think the timing for you to have a song called Jesus is My Vaccine was perfect. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that was just the timing was incredible. Some people say I wrote it after I found out about COVID, but I'll be honest with you. I didn't know much about COVID when I wrote it. It was actually, it was actually about a a big old whelp I had on my thigh. And I was like, Jesus, you gotta be my vaccine. You gotta take the wheel and you gotta be the vaccine. That's so good. Well, the, the album is out and we're going to talk about that. We'll get, we'll get into it, especially the the new single uh, is doing uh, great. And and I want to unpack that, but, we're going. We got time to go through, you know, the Rhett Walker history. So I'm going all the way back, and I remember the first time that we were given some of the music for the Rhett Walker band, and we fell in love with it. I mean, we 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 still. I mean, we still play it as bed music. We still. It was jamming. You know, sadly, probably you, if you heard us singing along with you and, yeah. and, and bring the, a tear to your eye. I'm sure. Yeah. So so take us back, those of us that don't know, uh, the Rhett Walker testimony how, how you ended up in the Rhett Walker band you know what happened uh there and I know there was kind of a, a little bit of a hiatus and now you're back uh as Rhett Walker so so let's go back to to yeah Rhett. we had a panic there for a while we didn't yeah. know what happened yeah that uh, you know we even we even started the what where's Rhett Walker so <laughs> take us back to to the beginnings of the band and and that story yeah I mean it's it's funny because this new record is the telling of that story. Hmm. So pastor's kid, South Carolina, got my girlfriend pregnant at 17 and 18 and was the old crap moment. What are we going to do? Grew up knowing about faith, hope and peace and love and happiness. Uh, but just kind of heard it, you know, and I, and I knew it how to, where I could use it to get out of trouble as a pastor's kid. But when I found out my girlfriend was pregnant, there was no way to go, crap, I can't say the right scripture and get out of this. Like, mm-hmm. this is something This you got to man up and, and go. And so I did, we, we surrendered our lives to the Lord. We said, God, whatever you want to do with our lives. And we surrendered that baby because we knew left alone, we would, we would mess that up. And so we made a promise, me and my wife, April, we made a promise to ourselves and, and to God and said, whatever you want, we're, we're going to be faithful and we're going to chase after it. And what they ended up being was music. And so I started writing songs and, you know, kind of perfecting my craft as best as I could. And my first single was When Mercy Found Me. And they got nominated for a Grammy and it was go time. And that was a, 
2012, I think that was. Mm-hmm. And so we hit the road, but what people didn't realize is being babies, having babies, and mm. this is my ministry, right? but it's also my job. And so being babies, having babies and not having any money, a dime to our name, you don't leave money on the table. And so every show, I never turned down a show. I never turned down an opportunity. And man, honestly, at the end of the day, I was exhausted and I didn't steward what was being put in front of me very well and know how to take time for myself. So about 2000, I mean, we put out two records, um, had great success. And about 2016, I, I was done. And I didn't realize at the time I was just exhausted. But I became like the cynical guy real quick. You know, like if a radio single didn't work, it was it was the label's fault. Radio, if booking didn't work, it, you know, it was their fault. Nothing was ever, ever Rhett's fault. It was always, you know, somebody else's <laughs> fault. And when I was like, man, I'm done with this. And I was like, I want to do something else. I don't know what it is. So I took about a year off and got to attend church with my wife because I was usually playing on Sundays. Got to coach my kids, you know, ball games. And in doing that, taking that time, I was like, man, this is why I set out to do what I do. You know, I, I got so caught up in the business aspect of it that I forgot at the end of the day, all I need, all Rhett needs is Jesus, my wife, and my kiddos. And anything else is a gift. It's an opportunity. And I was like, man, I just want to, I want to share that. Like, that's what I want to do. And so I started, I thought I'd ended it. Cause I mean, y'all know how it is. Like you disappear for too long. And, and people forget you real mm-hmm. quick. Oh, yeah. yep. And I got off the label. I'd asked to get out of my deal. So I was like, man, I done, I done messed this one up. And so I started writing songs for like maybe a church record, maybe just a hymn thing for my family to have. And the label got wind of one of them songs and was like, hey, would you ever want to do this again? And honestly, guys, this has been the funnest version of Rhett Walker band that I think I've ever done. And, you know, we, we received a lot more, um, in in those, in those times we got to see a lot of cool accolades and a lot of cool stages. And when I came back, 2020 happened. So I haven't seen much of anything, but what, what it has been has been pure fun and joy and happiness. I haven't felt beat down or tired. I've just kind of taken it as God gives it with not being lazy, but when God gives me something, I, I chase it down. So, that's kind of the quick story of what happened from 2012 to now. You know, Rhett, that touring uh, model, and you were talking about how you're on the road, and, you know, it seems to, I mean, it, it wears people down. It almost turns your, your love for your craft into a, a salt mine. And it, I think it just beats and destroys a lot of people's creativity. And really, in a lot of ways, the break that you've had and the break that you're getting right now has been a blessing. Yeah. In the weirdest way it really has, because, you know, I tried to put it, I was talking with one of my buddies the other day and he plays baseball and he, I said, man, you know, unlike y'all, it's a different game. Every time you step into a stadium, like for us, it, it's the same set list and mm-hmm. it's the same thing. And then when you have a single, you know, and, and you, everybody just was really waiting on you to play that single. It, it just becomes monotonous. And it's like, man, what am I, am I elevator music? Like, what am I doing? But this break has reminded me like, no, each, each song has a story to it. 
and each person in the crowd has a story. They might not have like done the teen pregnancy thing and went through that, but they have something that they attach to this song with. And so I think this break has put that reminder on me. Like I can't pretend to know what these people went through. They, I mean, they might've been cussing each other out on the way to the show. You know, (laughs) they're not, they might not be in a good spot. And so if you go into it with that mindset, it's like, all right, God, like, even if I just play these songs and people have fun, I'm still going to miss it. I need, I need something big here. Like while we're all gathered together as a family, look like do something in this moment and having that mindset, man, has really freed me up just to have one heck of a fun time. Brett Walker is our guest uh, on this edition. We'll be back and we'll continue this conversation on Rick and Bubba university, the podcast. All right, so we're with Rhett Walker. He's got the new album. We're going to get to that. And we talked a little bit about Rhett Walker Band. We talked about your testimony, how you and your wife ended up, uh, as you said, babies having babies. But but you also mentioned something kind of in passing, and I want to jump into the spiritual side. We, we talked a little bit about the musical side and the spiritual side, but being a pastor's kid, uh, there's, there's a, a, a lot of uh, people listening to this, watching this right now. We have a pastor's kid here on, on staff with, with Team Rick and Bubba. And uh, that that sometimes uh, can be a difficult journey, and and so so let's look into that world. I know that you're, um, a matter of fact, on one of your albums, there's there's a snippet of your dad preaching, right? That's him yeah. preaching, yeah. and and um, it, there's an assumption I think sometimes that um, that not only a pastor's kid is always going to be somebody who gets into trouble, but I think <laughs> sometimes pastors' kids may struggle with cultural Christianity more than anyone because it's what dad does for vocation. Uh, I don't know if your dad was bivocational or not, but you know, yeah. it, it, this is our whole world is around this church. I've heard preaching. I've heard teaching. I've heard <laughs> praise and worship songs, and that can be a blessing. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but, oh, yeah. but, but at times it also can be, as I heard, we were making fun of the vaccine. It, it's one thing to be inoculated with Jesus, but it's another thing to have the disease, the full blown disease. Uh, did you obviously when you ran into the issue of your your uh, the teen pregnancy was that the moment you realized that you knew a lot about God but you really didn't know God? Yeah, so you know people say it's like growing up in a glass house. It right. really is in the South. I call it you know life in a mason jar, <laughs> and so uh, you know every everything we did was under the spotlight, and so things weren't any easier because my dad he he went full-blown pastor he was like he got his master's and then he went back and he got his doctorate and he's pastor at heights church here in south carolina and he's been there for 17 years this year and so we moved when i was like 16 and then just culture of a new town at 16 yeah and then you know dad wore like jeans one sunday and played a guitar and so it was like a straight shoot to hell from there. Like everybody was like, what, in the, what are you doing? <clears throat> so, I mean, it got bad as in like they hired, like people hired like drug people in the community to blow up like church vans. And, uh-uh. like, it, was, it was just bad. And, um, and so then I get my girlfriend pregnant. Like my dad had anything to do with it. Right. And they're like, man, if, if he can't even raise his own family, right. oh, yeah. how could he even lead a church? And so couple that with growing up in the church and it's all I ever knew. Like you hear a lot of pastor's kids go, I don't know when I was saved, 
but right. I, I know I'm different. Exactly. And I really believe that's not because they don't know when Jesus was everything and not just something. I really believe it's because since they were babies, it's just always been Jesus. For me, because of that teen pregnancy, and by the way, she's driving now. Wow. She, my daughter Riley is 15 and has her permit, which is crazy to even think about. <laughs> but, you know, when that happened, that was like the, it kind of, everything stopped and stepped back. And I was like, man, I really do know a lot. You know what? They told me your computer's on a real stable surface, so we won't have it shake. And I just kicked it. So to the you're, you're fine. Um, but when, when that happened, it really took me back because there was no way to hide it, you know, and abortion wasn't an option. Um, even adoption wasn't an option for us. It was like, no, I, this, this is what is meant for us. And all I knew, all I could do at that time was I don't, I can't throw scripture at it. I can't say enough prayers to like hide it till she's like 18. And we'd be like, guess what? We had this girl 18 years ago. I was like, man, I've really got to dive deep. And it was all I could do was hit my knees and go, Jesus, this is a road to nowhere. And I'm going to keep screwing this up. And now I've got a wife. I don't want to mess that up. Now I've got a kid on the way. I don't want to mess that up. And I've got to finish. I still have my senior year of high school. And so I wanted to get my high school diploma and I wanted to get a job. And so when that happened and I realized, pull away all the, the layers you know, like of Sunday morning Christianity or Wednesday night Christian, pull apart all those layers. I knew Jesus was the only way that could do it. Only one that could do it. It wasn't my daddy's pastor, spiritual coattails I could hold on to, to get to heaven. It wasn't saying the right thing. It was only Jesus. And so man, after that happened, I I just felt like there's a lot of redneck people like me all over the world that, you know, there's a church on every corner and they've just been beating herself when they mess things up and they're just trying to get through the next thing. I was like, I've got to, I want to tell people about this. There's an easier way. It, don't, it might not be easy in the eyes of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, but right. there's an easier way, a place to put trust, a foundation, the actual joy that lasts. And so that, that was the actual moment. And that's where, when Mercy Found Me came out of that, that one moment. Rhett, let me ask you this, because uh, you, you were talking about the situation you found yourself in. Many other people have found themselves in that situation. Some are going to find themselves in that situation as parents uh, later on. How did your parents react to that, and how did your girlfriend's parents react to that? What, what was good that came out of that, and what could have been handled different? Take us through uh, that a little bit. Yeah, my uh, – so – let me set this up for you. So um, there was a thing called Boys State. I don't know if it's still yeah. a thing. Um, but for some reason, I got nominated for a Boys State in South Carolina. And you're getting nominated for these things for good character, mm-hmm. good right. grades, right. and oh. like something else. And I was like, <laughs> they read my transcript wrong or something because I was not any of those things. So I go to Boys State. I know that it's going to be great for a college, you know, application. And so I told my my girlfriend at the time, I said, look, don't tell your parents because I have to turn my cell phone in when I get here. Like, let me get through this. And we'll have it and it'll help support us. Man, she calls me. 
like a minute in, I ain't even got to give my phone away yet. And uh, she goes, my mom knows. And I was like, oh man, okay, here we go. And this guy walks up to me, he goes, hey, young man, I done told you there's no phones here at Boys State. And I said, hey, you talked to my girlfriend who her parents just found out she's pregnant. Oh. And he was like, oh. Uh, never mind, never mind. You might want to so take out, could, step outside and take that call. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and, and we now have a room available for somebody else. Yeah. No. They were like, oh, yeah, never mind. You know, you can have it. Um, but I couldn't leave unless my parents signed mm. for me to leave. So I called my parents. I was like, I got to come home. And my dad was like, you ain't coming home unless you tell me what it is. And I said, I, I can't. I got to tell you in person. So he drove to the University of South Carolina, him and my mom, and my mom said she kind of felt like she already knew, mm. which I just that mother's instinct, oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But my mom and dad, I mean, my dad straight up told me, he's like, look, you don't have to marry her right now, like, but you'll forever take care of her and that baby. And I said, I want to marry her. So dad said, go get her. And my mom hugged me. She was crying. And I said, okay, if I need gas, to get back to North Augusta. So we stopped at the gas station and filled up my tank and, and I went back and, you know, April's parents were, uh, they were caught off guard and I, I'll say, man, like, I think her dad told me when, uh, I said, I wanted to be there when April told him. And I think he looked at me and said, I should take you out back and whoop you right now. And I probably said something smart back to him, but that was really the only like frustration that was there. I think everybody went into like, all right, they're wanting to get married and, and start this. So how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. Or not fix it, but how do we support set it up to win yeah. and support? Yeah. And now me and uh, you know, my in-laws are, are great friends and, and I'm at, I attend my dad's church and my sister's the worship leader. And I mean, you know, we were in Nashville for 11 years and the kids didn't have grandparents. So now they're just spoiled rotten, you know, being around grandparents, but, Man, it, I honestly can't say I would change anything because I feel like in everybody kind of being caught off guard, it was like, all right, we we support them. We're not just going to watch them fail. And my wife, she had went to a magnet school and was going to be a doctor and had was going to Augusta State. And she had everything set up in front of her that her parents had helped support. And now she's having a baby, you know, and. I tried to explain to her parents, like, it's not my fault. I was just a pastor's kid studying scripture <laughs> and, and she's hot. So yeah. it was her fault. And they didn't buy that. I bet they didn't, they didn't no, buy that. no one bought that. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things though, about this, you, you said, you know, and that stuck in my mind, it's not like we can hide it, but, but Rhett, you know, this, I do think that is a sign of the foundation that was all around you, but many people do hide it. Many people, yeah. do, but many people do go have an abortion. Even people that yep. claim to be people of faith to hide it, get rid of it, and act like it didn't happen. You, you, you guys certainly let something get away from you. It's not the way God designed it, but you owned it, and you yep. took and you took responsibility for it. And then your both families got involved and said, "If you two love each other and you want to get married, we're going to work with you to give you and the baby the best shot." So yeah, you you, you made a mistake by God's standard, but you didn't try to hide it and act like you, you, that you didn't own it and you repented of it. And then God made it something beautiful. So you did, you did take responsibility for it, which a lot of people don't. Yeah. Well, it then I, it went even further. Like I, I think when we own up to like 
issues that show up in our life. And like, you know, by God's standard, we definitely didn't do it right. Um, but when we owned up to it, what people don't realize, they think it's imprisonment when you own up something, but there's freedom Amen. in that. And so when, when that happened, my parents, her parents supported mm -hmm. next thing, you know, we got the whole church yeah. said, we're going to throw your wedding. We want to buy, we want to buy this. We want to do that. I mean, I had so many people at my wedding that I didn't even know personally, just because they were like, Hey, whatever we can do to help support this, yeah. that's what we want to do. Well, yep. and I think, uh, you know, God shows up in a very real way and he did through both of your parents in that, that uh, I think that shows the kind of people they were and where their faith was. And I think a great example, like you said, uh, for other people who will be going through that, you, you have to make that decision. I, I've always thought you don't want to, you don't want to make two mistakes out of one mistake, but the fact that you guys knew you wanted to be married and you loved each other, uh, they came together and, and took what could have been a terrible negative and made it positive, and here you are today. Yeah. Yep. It, it's one thing to be pro-birth. What these people proved is that they really are pro-life. Yep. Uh, Rhett yep. Walker is our guest. Uh, we'll continue our conversation when we come back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So let's talk about overpaying for insurance. You, you, you don't want to do that. And, and Bubba, you and I right now know that we have the best deal out there because of Gabby.com. And, and when you go to Gabby.com, it's not going to cost you anything. You know, and a lot of times we get into auto insurance, we get into home in, uh, homeowner's insurance, and we're really just doing a generational thing. This is who mom and daddy had used. This is who I'm going to use. And it may be that the company that your family's been using for generations is the best, but you need to know. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, Gabby.com, you go there, G-A-B-I, uh, and you will give them your information. No charge to you at all. They don't sell your information. They will then take your coverage on your automobile and your phone, I mean, and your phone and your home, and then they'll show you 40 other insurance companies that are going to give you the exact same coverage, but they may be giving you the coverage for less. Stop overpaying for car and homeowner's insurance. Uh, take a look to see where you stand. Progressive, nationwide, travelers, farmers, they're all listed there. And uh, you get to see these quotes. They pop up so quick, and it's easy just to look and say, I'm overpaying. People are saving, Bubba, in our audience, about $825 per year on average, some more. Uh, so take advantage of this now. And, again, they're not going to sell your information. So uh, go to uh, Gabby.com right now. Stop overpaying for car and homeowner's insurance. And you may find out that you're paying the right rate. Gabby.com slash Rick Bubba. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash Rick Bubba. So we're talking with Rhett Walker, and we've gone back in, in, in the past. You know, you guys were out, Rhett Walker Band. You had the first album, then the second album. You played here on the Rick and Bubba show. Uh, he said he remembered uh, one time he played in here with Bello the Clown. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yes. And, and love the, 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 the music style. It's just your, your style of music and, and my style of music are so, so similar. I mean, Make Me New is one of my favorite songs of all time. I like that sound, kind of like Johnny Cash. They're like a train running, don't it, don't do you know, and coming down the track and and uh, just love it. But but I, I know with you guys going out there, when you're doing music, uh, you really took the same approach that kind of like we have to this show. People say, well, you do Christian radio, and we're like, well, I got nothing against Christian radio. It all belongs to God. We're Christians who do radio. Uh, so, yeah, we talk about Jesus, and we talk about things from a biblical worldview, uh, but we're out there on secular radio and podcasts and YouTube and, and all of that. And uh, I know with the style of music that you have 
have produced, uh, you're you're a Christian who who writes songs about what matters to you. Uh, and I don't know why we have to take Christian artists and put them in their own category. We don't say over here on the drug chart, these songs are all about drugs, <laughs> and, and over here on the premarital sex chart, we have this. You know, uh, and, the yeah, chart. yeah okay. it's so. But boy, if you write anything that's faith based, you have to go stand over in your little corner and say uh, this is where you are. So. Let's talk about the album now. You said this album, this brand new album, uh, that uh, that just released in March, and of course we had the uh, Believer was the first single, and somebody sent that to me immediately because they knew how much we we loved what you guys had done and what you do as an artist, and and loved it. And then of course um, you get ready for for Good to Me, which is out now. But you know when Believer came out, then COVID hit. Uh, yeah. So so about the time we were all saying Rhett Walker's back, he's back, uh, <coughs> and then he's gone. Uh, but he, he can't. Yeah, play. we were saying it from our bunkers. Yeah, he can't. He yeah. can't play anywhere. Uh, so now, good to me is out. People are loving it. I'm assuming you're getting to do. Are you getting to do any performances with this album at all? So we did three okay. this year. All right. Wow. So <clears throat> it was crazy because Believer, Believer surpassed um, chart wise. Uh, Come to the river and when mercy found me, it spent 25 weeks in the top 10. And so we were coming into 2020, like, yeah, this let's go, (laughs) you know, and we played three, three full band shows this year. Um, One uh, at the top of the year for the shut everything down. And then uh, last weekend we played in West Bend, Wisconsin um, for, it was this thing that they put on to help. It's called beats for heartbeats. And it helps um, give opportunities to young men and women who are, pregnant as teens here's here's all the options you know yeah and then we played in iowa and flying was crazy uh getting in was crazy mm-hmm. um you know everybody social distanced and did their thing but i tell you what getting out there and playing songs and seeing people's faces like they they all said they were ecstatic even though i didn't really get to meet any and do meet and greets yeah. and stuff the word was they were so ecstatic and it was good for their soul and i tell you for me playing was so good for my soul just being able to get out and and do what i'm called to do and and two for my wife she homeschools our four kids hello and so when she found out i was flying out to play a show she was like maybe you could stay and do like seven or ten or fifteen and and come home next month because i've been <laughs> home all year i played oh, yes. too much golf and ate too many ramen noodles to be honest with you. yeah give us the ages <laughs> of your kids now so Riley is 15, Jet is 13, Autumn is 8, and Cash is 2. No. <laughs> oh, my Two, God. 2, son. I know. That's a lot of little oh league in front of you God. there, that's, buddy. That's a, I'm telling you, every time I see somebody with their first 2-year-old, I look at them <laughs> and I say, I did a 2-year-old five times. And they go, really? And I say, see, we're still here. So yeah. so let's talk about good to me. This, this signal, I mean, this single – you can just hear, especially when when it when it ramps up. Are you staying from? I listened to the whole album, and and style wise, it, it's there, but it's a little bit different than than the mm-hmm. first two albums. How many how many of the members of Rhett Walker Band are still with you? Any, uh, uh, as far as musicians? No. no. So it's all new people that you're playing with. Yeah. So the guys that were with me at the beginning, I've always been the only one signed to the deal. Okay. Uh, they were always hired guns. Okay. But when I found those guys it was like brothers. And so there was no need to get anybody else. Um, But when I stopped doing it, um, my drummer went and started writing 
my guitar player, he ended up, he was super brilliant and ended up doing some type of coding with like law firms, like <laughs> mm-hmm. computer stuff and yeah. had, uh, he's, I think he's about to have his third kid. And then Kevin, um, that played bass with me, he now plays bass for Russell Dickerson. Okay. So they, uh, I still, you know, talk to some of them and, uh, catch up. But when we took, I think we all kind of needed that time yeah. and some of us stayed in music and, and some of us didn't, but so now, uh, my new guys, it's kind of the same thing. Um, Eric Van Zamp plays guitar for me. Zach Hunter plays drums and Matt, um, Paco plays bass. And we've, I've just been buddies with those guys and it kind of clicked, you know, and, and two having a Van Zamp oh, play yeah. for you is yeah, not just, really a bad thing. Just no. having that name no. in the band. Yeah. Helps, does he have the, is, is he involved in, in uh, that family at all? Or is it just one of those things? He, he's, he's a, he's a Van Zant like Leonard Skinner Van Zant. He's, he's a Leonard Skinner Van Zant. Well, and so he's um he's not any good at playing guitar or singing. <laughs> I I simply got him because he's a Van Zant. <laughs> he's not even a good looking guy. We just make him stand in the it's back. Just marketing, man. No, no, he is he's insanely talented. I um I don't play guitar when he's around. Okay. I just mm-hmm. I'm like eh, I don't want to look like an idiot. So <laughs> so good to me this new single. I, I listen to it and you can just hear you really. Because we guys, let's face it. When we look to that cross, mm-hmm. and we look at what we deserve versus what Jesus has given us, and then every time you hear that in the song, "You've been good to me," because really we got no complaint with Him. I mean, mm-hmm. now, now He's got a lot yep. of complaints with us, but we got zero complaints to Him. That's what I took away from the song. At the heart of it all is you generally saying, "You sure have always been good to me." Yeah. Well, I, I heard somebody say um, a lot of times in life when people get sick or, you know, my aunt has um, lupus and Crohn's and like she's probably the sweetest person you'd ever meet, like of all people, you know. And so uh, Christians tend to say, why does bad things happen to good people? And this person flipped it and said, it's actually why does good things happen to bad people? No question. Right. You know, no question. because if, if we were to be given what we deserve mm. right now, it is, it is death and it is hell and it is you're done son, because there's, there's nothing we could do to achieve. There's, there's nothing. We even lay our lives down and, and it's like, God, I can't do this. We bring nothing to the table, you know, but the reason we get what we get is because Jesus paid an ultimate sacrifice and so, man, I, you know, looking at taking the break, looking at the frustrations with the industry, um, becoming the cynical butt of a human to then going, okay, man, I'm, I'm, I'm refreshed. I'm reminded this is why God has put me on this path. When I step back and I look, the honest answer before I wrote this song, when I went in was when I wavered and I moved and I was, I was searching for this over here, or maybe I need to be the next this, or maybe I should be this, or maybe I don't want to do music. Man, when I when I got to the end of that journey, I was like, golly, God never wavered. Mm-hmm. He remained constant, faithful, proven, and able. And so when I went to write that day, he was like, man, what do you want to write about? You're, you're coming back? Like, are you? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just writing. And I said, dude, at the end of the day, in the good times, in the bad times, and now 2020, the corn times, um, I was like, man, all God has ever been is, is good. And I've never, I can never look back at my life. Even 
being scared as a 17 year old dad or, you know, starting my, my career or ending my career and then getting back in, man, God's been good. He's been, he's been faithful. And so I, I try to stay out of the way. And so my, my hope with this song was that people would have that reminder, but honestly, this whole record has been, it was, I wrote it kind of for myself, even with believer. So that's, that's just you walking back over as, as Paul told us to do at the end of second Corinthians, Hey, assess yourself and see if you keep passing the test that you really are part of the faith. Uh, and so it sounds like in that song, you're just going through the concept of, you know what? I am a believer. I am a follower of Christ. I have been redeemed. And, uh, and this is, this is the center of, of, of the foundation of my life. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if, if we just didn't hear about it as much, but I hear about anxiety, stress, um, suicide rates are out the chart. Like all of these things, I don't know if maybe I just went in, in tune with it as a, as a younger man, but now I, that's all I hear about. And I, you know, social media has, has crushed people's lives. And so I, I was like, dude, all I hear about at shows are people going, I was about to commit suicide and I heard this, or I'm, I'm in a dark place, or it's always the bad things. And I said, I told my wife one time, I said, man, we, we love to replay everything the enemy tells us. Mm. Like we, we, it's like we try mm-hmm. to fight that and we end up giving those thoughts like a little tunnel straight to the front of our mind where it's always this like, oh my gosh, moment. I said, I got to do, even me, I got to do better at reminding myself who God says I am. And so I, I wrote that song, I, and, you know, when I was writing it, I was like, hey, let's just dumb it down. Like back when I was 17, having a baby on the way, I didn't, I didn't try to go into a theological conversation with anybody. It was, hey, I am messed up, deserve hell. Jesus is good, paid the ultimate price, and he's coming back for me one day. Here's everything he says I am. And so that's that's where Believer came out of. And it was just, this is who we are when when the world says we're all these other things. Red, also, I know that you uh, you have jumped into the podcast world too, right? Yep. You will have fun listening <laughs> to it. You might not get any smarter. Um, that's why I bring my wife on onto that. Hey, listen, when I, when I was 17, she was 18. I started my senior year of high school. We homeschooled me and I went to work and she did my senior year of high school and my GPA went up. And uh, so now I bring her on the podcast to show that there is someone wise in our family. <laughs> but it's, it's called front porch gospel. It's everywhere you listen to the podcast. And I've, I've had a blast doing it. Yeah, you, you remember the first time Bubba and I were talking about this. Somebody mentioned the word podcast to you. I can remember going, "What? What are you? What are you talking about?" I remember podcast. for a while, everybody. That's all I heard around podcast. here was somebody saying, no, "If I'd have had a podcast. nickel for every time I heard podcast, it yeah. was like when my kids were little. Every time I heard backpack, right? Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I'm like, please don't say the word backpack one more time. Yeah. I just cannot hear it one more time. Rhett, let me ask you this: How often do you publish your your yeah. podcast, and uh, where do you do it from? How do you how do you put it together? So it's every Monday, um, and, and I've, I go from guest. Um, I actually talk about uh, my journey. I brought my, my dad on, and we, I want to ask him questions from his side. Yeah. As a guy that just got his doctorate oh, yeah. at this church, you know, Nick Ahmed from uh, Shortstop for the Diamondbacks. Like, it's really, it's a cool little concept, and it all centers around, like, 
if we were to sit down on the front porch, drink a glass of sweet tea and mm-hmm. just talk, this is what happens. So there's uh, episode seven comes out this Monday. And so uh, it's every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts and um, all access is who puts it out for us. So plug for them. And, um, but wherever you listen, go listen. I keep them about 30 minutes or, or less. So that way you don't tell me to shut up in your car. Front Porch Gospel with Rhett Walker. We'll come back and continue our conversation on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. All right, talking to Rhett Walker, we talked about, you know, where we've been. We've talked about the new album. We've talked about the new podcast, The Porch Gospel with Rhett Walker, which uh, he publishes on Mondays. I want to ask you this because you see this a lot when you're dealing with, and I'm going to use the term just because everybody knows, Christian music. And I can tell you through times of speaking at a lot of events and, and being around different musicians who, who were part of the, the Christian music business, and, and you were in the middle of all that uh, with the first two albums. And sadly, a lot of times, I, I think back to DC Talk, uh, you know, when they got the big, that, that's probably as big as a Christian band as far yeah. as bringing in audience, playing arenas. And, and then there was the song that, that Toby wrote, What If I Stumble? Uh, that starts talking about that line where he's saying, all right, am I doing this for the people? Am I doing this for the Lord? Am I doing this for something that I want to afford? Am I doing it for money? I, I, I'm, I'm confused. I think we've lost the, the, the original reason that we started doing this, which, which was to glorify Jesus. Now, are we just a rock band that sings about Jesus? And, 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 and that, that seems to be problematic because we're human beings, uh, we, we're, we're still, you know, that battle between spirit and flesh is going on and the flesh is, is, is a, is a very difficult opponent. Uh, and, and so what happens is we have to keep, you know, as scripture tells us, we feed that spirit. What do you, and I'm not saying that happened to you in the past. If you want to talk about that, you can, I know you said you got kind of overworked, burned out and a little bit jaded. So maybe some of that did happen. What, what adjustments have you made with this album that, that is going to protect you from that problem? Yeah, I, I I agree with everything you said, and I say it happens to the best of us. I mean, get you a few dollars in your pocket and see how it changes you. You know, it's like getting new shoes. You start walking different. I yeah. think um, for me with this record, when I came back, my I went right back to the same label because um, I'm a very family-focused person, and if it just feels cohesive like a family, I stick with it. And so Blaine Barkus, my A&R guy at Sony, and he emailed me. Um, after he'd heard a song, he said, man, have you ever thought about doing this again? And everything inside me wanted to go, yes. Like, I'm in a lot, I'm in such a better spot. Like, yes, I want to do this. And I forced myself with everything, every muscle in my hands to go, I don't know. I haven't even prayed about it. Mm-hmm. Everything inside me wanted to go, yes. But I was like, you know what? If this is meant to be, I'm not going to be, this ain't going to shut this down. Mm-hmm. If, if it's meant to be, God will make it happen. And so I went to my wife and I said, I want you to pray with me about this because last time being a product of the South, if, you know, if something wouldn't happen, you push it out of the way. You just keep on moving. You just, mm-hmm. you don't let nothing stop you. And that's, that's good. And that work ethic will get you a, a long ways. But I realized that sometimes I did that if God had maybe shut the door and I just kept banging on this door, feeling like I wasn't doing enough to, to make it happen. So this time without being lazy, I said, God, I want you to lead it. 
I want you to take it. I want you to go and I'm going to follow. And I do a really bad job at following, but this time I can't afford not to. Yeah, I'm 33 years old and I'm a leader of my family, a, a husband and a dad. And so, so I did. So that was kind of the biggest parameter. And then 2020 happened and I was like, man, what a reminder. Mm-hmm. Like, do we, do we do this because it's a paycheck, like you said, or because I want fame or I want people to be like, Rhett's cool, or <laughs> I want to buy a new truck and a boat. Like, what is it? Well, if we really believe the songs are right, and if I really believe he's good, if I really believe that I I can achieve these things and that God is God goes before me and that he's sovereign, well, what am I doing fretting 2020 away? And so I said, man, I'm going to live out this song, and I don't want to look back at 2020 with the I wish I would haves. I want to go, I'm going to dive into scripture. I'm going to date my wife. I'm going to play the games that my kids want to play. Because one day, hopefully, it'll all be back to normal. And I don't want to be like, man, I remember I led my family in fear by being worried the entire time. And, you know, just because we're artists or people think we've reached a certain status or you all lead this radio show and, you know, you reach, there's still worry. It's like, my gosh, my this is my career. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to, like, make people remember me, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so I've been, there's been stressful warrior times, but I, I feel like I have, I owe it to myself. And if other people see it, that's cool. But for myself, I've got to walk out what I speak and sing from stage. Yeah. I, I, I was giving advice one time and I've never forgot it. And, uh, and, and when I start forgetting it, I try to get myself back in line and COVID definitely helped with this, as you said, because what we're all trying to do, you know, if you, you get to that point, where you know that God is sovereign, you know that he He was not surprised by the shutdown. He wasn't surprised by, you know, we were kicking off a new men's ministry discipleship strategy uh, and implementing it. We were all excited, and we gonna, we kicked it off in March. Uh, and we and, and, and so so had about 22 different gatherings of men. I was an empty nester. My last kid was going to college. My wife was going to do work in French-speaking uh, countries and then going back over into Israel while I went on the road and did uh, these di- all these speaking engagements. And God just took every bit of that, wadded it up, and threw it in the trash. And, and then, but, but if you've been walking with Christ a while, you got to get to the point you go, okay, Lord, what are you teaching? Yep. Because, mm-hmm. because this didn't surprise you, but I, back to the point, and I, I'll give you this because I think it helps all of us in the line of work that you're talking about when you're trying to walk out your faith. But at the same time, you got to keep it in the right perspective. And I was on a plane with a guy. I was going to speak at something. He'd worked with Billy Graham Ministries. So it's like he didn't know anything. Uh, no, so so when he's an older guy, you know, we need to embrace the older guys. And now I'm realizing that we're becoming yeah. the older guys. But but, mean, in, he, but anyway, and he looked at me, and, 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 we, and I had spoke at some stuff and whatever, and he said, uh, do you like speaking? I said, yeah, I really, I really do. I really enjoy it. And he said, well, let me give you some advice. And I said, okay. And he said, I'm going to give you an advice to speak less and pray more. Mm. And I said, um, okay. And he said, hey, let me tell you why. He said, if you get to the point to where you run yourself down, and it sounds very similar to y'all when you first started with the first yeah. two albums, you know you can pull it off because God's given you a gift set, and he's gifted you to be able to do certain things. And I, and just to be transparent, I could walk through that door tomorrow and do it every day, sit down, do a four-hour radio show, and I could do it with very little effort. Yeah. It's just what I was born to do. Uh, it's not difficult. It just comes natural. But that's okay, but it can be problematic. 
because it comes so natural, you can do it really under any condition. And he said, so what's going to happen if you, if you don't pray more and uh, you speak more than you pray, you're going to get so back-to-back on all these dates, you're not going to prep, you're not going to get your message together, you're not going to be in prayer, but you know you can pull it off. And before you know it, you're leaning on the gift, you're not leaning on Jesus. Oh, come on. And I was like, hey, man. Mm-hmm. And so I've tried to remember that because I come from a very similar work ethic as you. And, and what it means is I go, 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 go. And that can be good because, you know, you, like you say, you can, you can get things done. Mm-hmm. But, but, but sometimes God says, be quiet and be still and know that I am God. And I've learned to try to slow down so I depend on him, not even the gifts that he may have given us. God, that's good. Yeah. That's so, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that's, that's a part of, because I just kept going. Yeah. And I knew I could accomplish it, yep. but it was, it was leaning on the gifts and not on Jesus. And I think that's why I got burnt out with it. No doubt. And, and you know, the thing though, Rhett, the industry is not set up that way. They want you to hmm. tour and they want you to be at, you know, big cities on weekends and in between stops during the week. And, uh, you know, it's really just, it's not set up that way. So how do you, how do you hammer it out so that you, as Rick was saying earlier, you don't get back into that swing. Can you, do you have enough pull? Can you make it happen so that you don't have to be at so many events or you take a weekend off here or there? How do you do that? What I mean, what does I it look like no. in the real world? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've learned to say no, honestly. Um, so like, so they want you know, we're going to do some home shows type thing. And I did a few home shows backyards is really cool. Like last month. Well, we're doing football here in South Carolina and we're doing volleyball. And so I want to be at those games. I can't get them back. So for this month, I said, no, I was, I learned in my early twenties, I mean, I was playing arenas when I was 24 or 25. I learned real quick that, and I think any, in this type of work, you have a little bit of it. it, I could be a people pleaser. And when you talk to the people, there's a certain level of people pleasing because you're, you're doing what you know they want at a show or at a radio show or whatever. But I learned that, that that's not really that great of a walk with Jesus. When I'm more worried about what someone else is think, right. thinks than I am worried about what Jesus has set me up to do. And so, man, I just say no now. And, you know, there is still times I lay in my bed and I'm like, I hope they didn't get mad at me for saying that, no, but right. <laughs> I need Jesus, my wife and my kids more than I need any of this. Right, and right. I love this, but that's, that's what I stick with. Well, the new album is fantastic. Red, thanks for being with us. It's called good to me. You can get it wherever you get music. I would uh, strongly encourage you yeah. to add it to your playlist. Uh, you guys have done a great job. They're great songs. And, and I know they'll benefit everybody who listens. And, Red, it's good to catch back up. Uh, and when we all get back in the studio again and we can have guests in person, we want you to come back in and play a little for us, okay? As long as y'all sing with me. Uh, you well, got it. Well, you know what? Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Red Walker, and thanks to all of you for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. <laughs>